1: of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International.
0: Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Blood Covenant. This is part six of the series. So the final thing that we're going to see, and going back to Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22, is the one that saves us, the one who was our judge, the one who was our king, is also our lawgiver. So we can furthermore see how Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai if we examine closely Hebrews chapter 12, verses 24 to 26, as it is written. And to Yeshua, the mediator of the new covenant. So the subject here is Yeshua, and it goes on to say about him, see that you refuse not him that speaks. Well, the him that Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25 is referring to, is Yeshua in the previous verse so don't refuse him that speaks for if they escaped not who refused him that spoke on earth then it goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 26 whose voice then shook the earth so these verses is telling us that Yeshua who's the mediator of the new covenant is the voice that shook the earth so what is this referring to it's referring to what happened at Mount Sinai because in Exodus chapter 19 verse 18 it is written and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. So from these things, we can see that it was Yeshua that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. Next, we're going to see that when Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, he entered into a marriage with his bride, and that is the nation of Israel, or the house of Jacob. We can see this from Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, as it is written. Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your espousal. So this word espousal is the Strong's number 3623 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, and it's the Hebrew word kalulah. And from this word kalulah, we have the Hebrew word Kala, which means a bride. So the love of your espousals when you went after me in the wilderness, referring to Mount Sinai, in a land that was not sown. So there are two primary stages of a biblical marriage. The first is betrothal. In the marriage between Yeshua and the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai was a betrothal. And when you are betrothed, you are legally married to, but you do not physically dwell with your spouse. Because it's in the second stage of the marriage called Nesuun when you physically dwell with your spouse. So Yeshua is going to fulfill the second stage of this marriage when he physically dwells on the earth following his second coming when he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives wherein he will set up his kingdom and teach the Torah to all nations from Jerusalem as we're told in Isaiah chapter 2 verse 3. So, Mount Sinai is associated with betrothal, and Mount Zion is associated with Nesuin. So, if there was a marriage at Mount Sinai, there had to be a marriage offer. So, now we're going to look at the wedding proposal that Yeshua gave to the nation of Israel, or the house of Jacob. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 3, it is written, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called upon him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, or the nation of Israel. So now in Exodus chapter 19 verse 5 is Yeshua's proposal to the nation of Israel. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. So did the house of Jacob or the nation of Israel agree to Yeshua's marriage proposal to her? The answer is yes, and we can see this in Exodus chapter 19 verse 8 as it is written. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So in a biblical marriage, the terms of the conditions of the marriage is written down, and it is a part of the ketubah, or the marriage agreement between the groom and the bride. So next we're going to see how Moses is going to play the role of being a witness to this marriage, as well as being the escort of the bride to the hoopah or the wedding canopy where the marriage vows will be exchanged between the two parties. And in this case, the exchanging of the wedding vows is going to take place at Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 19 verse 17 it is written, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. So, the word nether is the Strong's number 8482 in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, and it's the Hebrew word takti, and the Hebrew word takti means the lower part or the base of the mountain. And so, in this wedding imagery, Mount Sinai is likened to a hoopah or the wedding canopy that the groom and the bride stand under and exchange their wedding vows. So next we're going to see that the house of Jacob is going to agree to the terms and the conditions of the wedding. So in Exodus chapter 24, verse 3, it is written, And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken, we will do. So the next principle that we're going to cover regarding understanding the background of events that took place at Mount Sinai is that the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4, speaking primarily to non-Jewish believers in Yeshua as the Messiah, reminded them of the covenant relationship that they had with Yeshua, which included the covenant promises that Yeshua made with the forefathers. So from this, we're going to see through the understanding of covenant that all believers Yeshua, whether they be Jewish or non-Jewish, are to see themselves through the eyes of covenant that Yeshua Redeemed them from Egypt and when we see that Yeshua redeemed us from Egypt We also need to see that he brought us to Mount Sinai and he gave us His Torah so in first Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 Paul writes moreover brethren I would not that you be ignorant so before he's going to make the point that he wants to make in these verses, he first wants to get their attention regarding what he's going to say by telling them he does not want them to be ignorant that all our fathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea and that they were all immersed into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So what is he speaking of here in these two verses? He's speaking of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and being immersed and crossing over the Red Sea. And they did all eat the same spiritual meat, and they did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Messiah. So I want you to notice that Paul, in emphasizing the point that he wanted to make, that he used the word all five times. In saying that, all our fathers were under the cloud, They all passed through the sea and they were all immersed in the Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all did eat the same spiritual meat. They all did drink the same spiritual drink. So let's think about that logically for a moment. All of our fathers passed through the sea. Literally, that's not true. My father and grandfather did not literally come out of Egypt. And Paul's father and grandfather did not literally come out of Egypt. If that's the case, on what basis is he trying to make the point that all our fathers came out of Egypt? Well, it's through the perspective of covenant, as this is a Torah concept. And when Paul wrote those words to primarily non-Jewish believers in Yeshua in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4, he was making a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 29 verses 12 through 15. So in Deuteronomy chapter 29 verses 12 and 13, it is written that you should enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath which the Lord your God makes with you this day, that he may establish you today for a people unto himself and that he may be unto you a God. As he has sworn unto you, and as he has sworn unto your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now pay very close attention to the next two verses, because these verses contain the primary point that Paul was trying to make primarily to his non-Jewish audience in First Corinthians ten verses one through four. So in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-nine verses fourteen and fifteen, it is written, Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath. That the covenant and the oath that's being made at Mount Sinai is being made with him that stands here with us this day before the Lord our God. And also with him that is not here with us this day. So I want you to notice that the covenant at Mount Sinai was made with two groups of people. It was made with those that were there as well as those that were not there. So how is it possible in believing in Yeshua as the Messiah? That even though you weren't literally at Mount Sinai, how is it possible then that you were there when you literally was not there? Well, we are to see ourselves in believing in Yeshua as the Messiah, that we were at Mount Sinai through the understanding of covenant. Now, one of the 613 commandments is in Exodus chapter 13, verse 8. And regarding the celebration of Passover... The following instruction is given. And you shall show your son in that day. Now in that day is at a future time in future generations. So tell your son in future generations saying this is being done. That is the celebration of Passover because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. So it is through covenant is the way in which in believing in Yeshua as the Messiah that we are to see ourselves As if he brought us out of Egypt and brought us to Mount Sinai and gave us his Torah. So, in Yeshua giving us his Torah at Mount Sinai, now we're going to begin to see how the Torah given at Mount Sinai was given through a blood covenant. So, not only was the Torah at Mount Sinai given through a blood covenant, but the covenant that Yeshua made with Abraham is connected to and linked with the Torah that was given at Mount Sinai. Now let's see the context in which the messenger of the Lord spoke to Moses and commanded him to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, Let my people go. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, it is written, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So, the calling of Moses and the Torah being given at Mount Sinai is associated and linked with the covenant that Yeshua made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, now we're going to see that the covenant place... Is Mount Sinai from Exodus chapter 19, verse 20, as it is written. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. So Moses is going to be the representative leader of the nation of Israel. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 3 and verse 7, it is written, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus ye shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. So next we're going to begin to outline for you the terms of the Torah that was given as a blood covenant at Mount Sinai. So the first term that we're going to examine is that by keeping the covenant, the nation of Israel is promised that they would be a kingdom of priests. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, it is written, Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So this verse doesn't explicitly say what kind of priest that was offered to the nation, but if you do a deeper study you would discover that the entire nation of Israel is being offered here to be Melchizedek priests. And the Melchizedek priesthood is a part of the government of Yeshua. Next, we're going to see that keeping the covenant means to follow the Torah. In Psalm 105 verse 10, it is written, And he confirmed the same unto Jacob for a Torah, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. So you can see here the Torah is called an everlasting covenant. So, the covenant, which is the Torah, which means teaching or instruction, is summarized into Ten Commandments. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13, it is written, And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform even Ten Commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. So, keeping the covenant, or following the Torah, which is summarized by Ten Commandments, the Torah is further broken down into statutes, judgments in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 8 it is written in what nation is there so great that has statutes this is the Hebrew word hok plural hokim and judgments which is the Hebrew word mishpat or plural mishpatim so righteous is all this Torah which I set before you this day so now we're going to see how keeping the covenant or the Torah through keeping the details of the Torah, which is the statutes and judgments, that keeping the statutes and judgments of Yeshua the lawgiver is the righteousness of the law. In Romans chapter 10 verse 5, Paul writes, For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that a man which does those things shall live by them. So here, Paul was making a reference to Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5, as it is written, and you shall keep my statutes and my judgments, which, if a man does, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. So when Paul's making a reference to the righteousness of the law, he alludes to and makes a reference to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, through the phrase, The man that does them shall live in them. In Leviticus chapter 18 verse 5, the meaning of if a man does them, he will live in them is keeping the statutes and the judgments. So now we're going to see in visual form that the Torah, which means teaching or instruction, is summarized into Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, as well as the Torah itself, is broken down into statutes and judgments. And statutes is the Hebrew word hokim in judgments is the hebrew word mishpatim so as part of the terms of keeping the torah which we're going to see was given as a blood covenant is to keep the greatest commandment in deuteronomy chapter six verses four and five it is written Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, it is written, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? So now we're going to see what is The definition, and how do you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? And we're going to see from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1, it is to keep his Torah as expressed in his statutes and judgments. So in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1, it is written, Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, hokim, and judgments, mishpatim, and his commandments always. We can further see how loving the God of Israel is associated with keeping his statutes and judgments, or Hokim and Mishpatim, from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 16, as it is written. And that I command you this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, and his statutes, Hokim, and his judgments, Mishpatim. So, not only is a part of the terms of following the Torah, which was given through a blood covenant, expressed by loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, but it includes observing the second greatest commandment as well. And we find that at the end of Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, as it is written. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, now we're going to see that the Torah, which means teaching or instruction, is summarized by the Ten Commandments and following the Torah or the Ten Commandments is loving the God of Israel with all your heart and with all your soul as well as loving your neighbor as yourself. So what we're going to see is that the Bible is going to associate loving God with all your heart and all your soul primarily with keeping his statutes, which is his divine decrees, which in Hebrew is hokim. And loving your neighbors yourself falls under the category of keeping the judgments or the mishpotim, which is going to be associated with how you treat other people. So statutes in Hebrew is hokim, and a statute is a decree from somebody in authority. And in our case, a biblical statute is a divine decree given by the one who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, or the lawgiver, which is Yeshua. So judgments, which is Mishpatim in Hebrew, are the category of commandments which are associated with how we treat other people. So now we're going to see that keeping my covenant, or following my Torah, includes keeping the judgments, or Mishpatim, which is how we treat other people. We can see this. From Exodus chapter 21, verse 1, as it is written. Now these are the judgments, the Mishpatim, which you shall set before them. And we can see from Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 5, that judgments, or Mishpatim, are commandments regarding how we treat other people. For it says, if you will thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor. So, regarding the category of Torah commandments called judgments, or Mishpatim, which teaches us the proper way to treat other people, when it says in Exodus chapter 21 verse 1, Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. The people heard the instructions regarding the judgments or the Mishpatim and how you treat other people and agreed to them. And we can see this from Exodus chapter 24 verse 3 as it is written. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, the Mishpatim. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. So, once again, to summarize the meaning of keeping the covenant, it means to follow the Torah, which is summarized by the Ten Commandments. And the commandments of the Torah are categorized into those commandments, wherein by doing them we show our love to the God of Israel and our commitment to love Him with all of our heart and all of our soul which falls under the category of his divine decrees or statutes or hokim, and then the other category of commandments are commandments regarding how you treat other people or love your neighbors yourself, which are called judgments or mishpatim. So, as part of the terms of the Torah that was given at Mount Sinai, is that this same Torah applies to both Jew and non-Jew. In Numbers chapter 15, verse 15, it is written, "One ordinance." shall be both for you of the congregation that is the native born and also for the stranger that sojourns with you that is the one that is adopted or grafted in by faith to the family of the native born that is the house of jacob and that one ordinance is for you of the congregation the native born and also for the stranger that sojourns with you that is to be in ordinance forever in your generations as you are so shall the stranger be before the lord Continuing in Numbers chapter 15 verse 16, One Torah in one manner shall be for you, the native born, and for the stranger, the one that's adopted or grafted in, that sojourns with you. So now we're going to give you some examples of what the Bible calls statutes, or divine decrees from the lawgiver, that is Yeshua, which in Hebrew is called Hokim. And keeping the weekly Sabbath is a divine decree from the lawgiver, and in doing so, And by seeking to be obedient to him, you are expressing your love for him with all your heart and all your soul. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, it is written, Remember the Sabbath. Well, that's going to conclude part 6 of the series on the subject, The Blood Covenant. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.